Yoda. Hear you, I do. Who are you? My imagination, it must be. No. It is I, Kwai Gong Jin. That cannot be. Dead you are. No. I am part of the living force, Yoda. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode 26 of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey, and this is Gabe. And we got a few things to talk about uh, before we get to the Qui-Gon-a-thon. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of Star Wars news this week, though. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Yeah, nothing huge, but a few little things. Yeah. So there was a little bit of Rogue One news. There was information that scenes where uh, cockpit spaceship scenes, they had X-Wings on giant gimbals and surrounding the, the X-Wings were like giant size IMAX screens where they were projecting kind of like the, the space stuff behind them, like a, a new way to do kind of rear projection effects. Yeah, I do remember seeing that now. Well, it's kind of, um, it's like what Oblivion did for the... Uh Oh, what was that? Their ho- his house, Tom Cruise's uh, house on a big pole. Oh yeah, where they projected the video of real clouds. Because that actually made me wonder if a lot of the cockpit stuff is actually going to be in atmosphere. Because that would make even more sense to project the video because you'd get the colors and things that you wouldn't necessarily get from space. Yeah, that just made me think too the promise of uh, spaceship action in Rogue One. And actually, that kind of fits in with what they were saying about the reshoots of a lot of. People talking in cockpit stuff. Right. Well, and it made me think, too, of the um, the opening crawl to A New Hope, which is still really interesting. The rebel spaceships striking from Hidden Base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good point to think that just because of the spaceships are spaceships, if they're not, you know, when they attacked the Death Star, the Death Star was in space, where if they're actually attacking... Imperial bases on a planet, they're going to probably be flying in atmosphere. Right. Yeah, because the opening crawl says that, yeah, that they've won their first battle against the Empire. And during the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Death Star. So, like, still the idea that the 
the battle with spaceships I, is a diversion to them stealing the Death Star plans. Right, and there's no reason that all the spaceships have to be in space while they're fighting. So maybe there'll be a mix. Yeah, I would love an atmosphere space battle. Yeah, we got a little of that in Force Awakens, but... It's the resistance. Go straight at him. Don't let these thugs scare you. Copy that. We're with you, Poe. It's still cool to see because we didn't get a lot of that in the old movies. No. Well, well in, in in the prequels we did. Yeah, the Battle of Hoth is kind of a atmosphere space spaceship battle kind of. Yeah, that's true. You're right. The energy shield can only be opened for a short time, so you'll have to stay very close to your transports. Two fighters against a star destroyer. The ion cannon will fire several shots to make sure that any enemy ships will be out of your flight path. When you've gotten past the energy shield, proceed directly to the rendezvous point. Understood? Yeah. Good luck. Okay, everybody to your station. Let's go. So the other news coming out was there was some video game stuff coming out of E3. Like, what was the deal? What video game stuff kind of came? What's What was Star Wars in E3? What was going on? There, there wasn't a lot because I think this year EA, who has all the Star Wars licenses now, kind of decided to not be at E3 too much because E3 gets a little crazy and, and uh, there's so much stuff announced that people kind of lose track of stuff. So they released a video before E3 just kind of giving an update of all the different studios that are working in games, which is I think six or seven different studios are all working on stuff. They did show a little new footage from the mobile game Galaxy Heroes, which I can't get enough of where they I think they're adding R2-D2 and he, he shoots oil at people, which is great. That's great. And they showed a couple seconds of a third-person action game which i think takes place in the force awakens time prime and then they announced the next uh, expansion thing for battlefront which is the bespin level so they have cloud city and lando and dengar are in it attention bespin the empire is attacking the city i've got a score to settle There's some of it look pretty cool because there's like adats walking around on Bespin. Why not? Yeah, why not? Do it. <laughs> it's Dengar. Yeah, they have Dengar flying around on a jetpack and yeah, flying adats. Why not in the clouds? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> it's Star Wars. Who cares? Star Wars. It's great in the arcade. Whoa! Tie fighters, fireballs, coming right at me. Watch the laser towers. Aim for the tops. Look in the cannons. Use the force. Coming too fast. It's way, it's way. My shields are gone. All right, I'm going in. Oh, some game, huh? Some game. In a galaxy of video games, there is only one Star Wars. There, there was an interview, yeah, with a guy who used to work for LucasArts. Now he's working on that God of War game. And he was talking about how he, when he was at LucasArts, he read some of the scripts for the never-produced Star Wars te- live-action television series and how it inspired God of War, right? Yeah, just because it was uh, 
they were trying to they what they he said they made the emperor kind of sympathetic <laughs> which sounds crazy like a tragic love story involving palpatine yeah man <laughs> what what i really hope even if they never make the show they just do novels or comic books or something if there's really like 30 or 30 scripts or 100 hours of scripts or however many they wrote like they got to put that stuff out or yeah or just release them in a book like all the scripts or release them online but i wonder how much of that like they want to dip like take from in either future books or future projects standalone movies right it's true because if they were saying when they were they were having those guys write those scripts with no without thinking of the budget and they ultimately wanted the show to look like feature films, Disney now needs to make a feature film every year. So that would be crazy if they went into that stuff for uh, future movies. Yeah, and even like Kathy Kennedy saying that like the whole idea of the spinoff film came from George Lucas. Well, you could even say that even he was playing with that idea with the idea of the the live-action television series. Why are you asking questions that we, you know we can't answer? <laughs> well, we can certainly say that we're absolutely going to make movies. Mm-hmm. We're sitting down with a couple of writers, and we're starting to discuss ideas, and we're starting to talk about what those stories might be. And we're recognizing that um, I think they could be pretty fun and pretty great. Oh, and like the whole idea on how the, the Bloodline book... Like Pablo said that that kind of came from an idea that they had for like an animated short where an older General Leia, people were going to discover that her father was Darth Vader. And they were like, oh, well, we're not going to do this animated short, but that's a great idea and we should do something with it someday. Oh, man, that would have been great to see an animated version of that. Yeah. So I wonder like how many kind of like ideas they have sitting around and when i read that stuff with palpatine and palpatine's tragic love story yeah i never would imagine that no like i was like okay there's gonna be some crazy stuff in there but that was not on my list of crazy stuff (laughs) everything that has transpired has done so according to my design who was who who was palpatine's love interest yeah because would it have been when he was still senator palpatine or is it like post Sith scarred crazy face Palpatine. <laughs> Maybe she's blind. She touches his face and thinks it's beautiful. Did they go to the Lake Country on Naboo? <laughs> That's true. His old, Palpatine's old house. <laughs> this is where I grew up. <laughs> we used to swim in the water. <laughs> Dry our bodies on the sand. <laughs> I love the water. <laughs> what are you talking about? You love me. Is that why he killed Plagueis? <laughs> Plagueis Man. told him he had to. He couldn't go out on Friday night <laughs> with his girlfriend. 
Yeah, Plagueis wouldn't let him out. He was grounded. Yeah. I You're not evil enough, Sheev. <laughs> Killed him in his sleep. Yeah. So I could go on a date. <laughs> no. 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 You are gone. No wonder those live action shows never got produced. <laughs> Half the people that read the script died. <laughs> <laughs> the other half was just like, "Yeah, we'll totally make these, George. Yeah, don't don't ever make these." <laughs> yeah. uh, you had to sit on plastic when you read it, <laughs> just in case something exploded in you. <laughs> Turns out Laura Dern is uh, Palpatine's long lost girlfriend. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> Jocasta knew. <laughs> she she has like Palpatine's varsity jacket. She still wears it. <laughs> <laughs> from ne- from Nebu High, <laughs> Seed High. She has a locket around her neck with a little picture of Palpatine and a heart. Oh, he was so beautiful. Yeah, I loved him. <laughs> so one other video game thing that came out this week, though, Gabe, was the uh, the Lego Lego Force Awakens came out. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it was because it only came out for, uh, I think the demo only came out for PlayStation 4, so I wasn't able to play it. Yeah, I played the whole thing. I played the entire demo with my daughter, uh, and I liked it a lot. She was less thrilled with it just because she is uh, a diehard fan of Disney Infinity, and I was like, hey, guess what? And we, we, We've literally been playing every Star Wars Disney Infinity game. We'll beat it. And then we'll play another one, and then we'll beat it again, and then we'll play the other one, and then we'll beat it again. And I was like, hey, we got a new Star Wars video game. And she was just like, oh, great. It's going to be just like Disney Infinity. And like the whole concept of building things with the Legos, uh, she was just like, why do we have to do this? <laughs> like, She's supposed to get right to the action. Yeah, why can't why can't I just be Ray and beat up Stormtroopers? It's valid, yeah. But it was cute. It's neat. Um, I think it plays really well. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'll pick that up. I, most of the Lego games are they're well done, or they're good enough. <laughs> they're done good enough to be fun, and they're, they're well, cute. Well, and it's like Infinity; it's perfect for like a grown up to play with their kid. Yeah. I started collecting when I was really in film school. You know, I started out by collecting comic art. I bought a Uncle Scrooge comic page for like twenty five dollars, and eventually moved myself up to where I could buy the high-end illustrator art. At one point, uh, I wanted to become an illustrator. Um, My father said, no way, I'm going to pay for that. You can go do it on your own if you want, but you'll never make a living as an artist. So there's been, I know on like Rebel Force Radio, they've been talking a lot about the the Lucas Museum um, there in the Chicago area. Gabe, you were talking about that there's a lot of stuff that like with the Lucas Museum, people don't realize, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, because I'm, I live in the Chicago area, and I'm excited that the museum is potentially going to come here. And I think a lot of with the discussion where there seems like there's a lot of people who want it to come here and a lot of people who don't. And with the people who don't, I don't know if they really understand what it is because I see a lot of people saying, why do we need a Star Wars museum or, you know, it's all about George Lucas's ego. But they actually, I don't know how recently, but there's a nice website up now, the lucasmuseum.org, that kind of just goes over what the museum's supposed to be. And it's neat. I think it's neat, and I think it goes with the other Chicago museums. So basically, it's the Museum of Narrative Art, which is, I think, some people would maybe think of that as like commercial art, because it's, it's kind of like the art that's 
not necessarily art for art's sake. So, you know, magazine covers and comic books and movie concept art, that sort of thing. And it looks like the idea with the museum is there would be, uh, I think, three different kind of sections, a, a narrative art section, an art of cinema section, um, and then a digital art section that's just kind of showing newer stuff. So, I don't know. I think it, it sounds cooler than people realize. Yeah. It's not just like a Star Wars vanity collection kind of thing. I mean, I was really hoping that I could at least for a couple days a week be an interactive exhibit at the George Lucas Museum. <laughs> you could try. Where I would like sit in a chair there and people could come up and just talk to me, like ask me questions, you know, or the guy that likes everything. <laughs> yeah. Someone come up and says, so you really like those prequel movies? Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, ask me about Crystal Skull, you know, like. Let's <laughs> put you at the information desk. Yeah. You're a, a teacher? Part-time. It's like, a, you can ask questions about the museum or just like Crystal Skull questions. Yeah. <laughs> you even like, like, mutt? I do. How big were those ants? <laughs> Damn big ants. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the bullwhip crack like this. Let's begin now. But the other thing I, th I thought was really cool, it didn't even cross my mind until looking through the website, is they were planning on uh, they're planning on having three movie theaters there too, which makes sense when I you know that you think about it. But like I can't imagine those not being the coolest, best movie theaters you could ever go to. If they're like the official endorsed George Lucas movie theaters. Oh my God. So, and it sounds like they would want to, you know, they'd just be showing movies in there constantly in addition to everything else in the museum. Whatever film they're going to show in the theater, they could have the concept art for that film in the concept art section and kind of you could get a whole experience of the making of the movie and then watching the finished product all in the same place. Which yeah. Is pretty cool. Well, I think if you, if you dig around on the website too, it looks like they have some kind of things that would already be in the collection. And there's like uh, uh, costume designs from the Ten Commandments and visual effects from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea oh, and Jason man. and the Argonauts. Yeah, I think there's some stills from, from that. So I think there would be a lot of really cool stuff there. It would be only adding to the city of Chicago. It's a museum. It's like, I don't see what the negative on it is. It's, I know, like, I live in Michigan, and I know I would come, and that's tourism money for the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois. Yeah, I'm and sure I'm, a lot of people would. From all over the world. So I don't understand, even with the Star Wars connection, but even without it. I mean, people would come for the name George Lucas and the idea of Star Wars, but there'd be so much more there, which I think would just be, I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I like the idea, too, for Chicago, they have the... The regular art institute, which is kind of your traditional classic fine art. And then we have the Museum of Contemporary Art, which is more modern stuff. And then we would have the Museum of Narrative Art, which is kind of another different aspect of art. Friends of the park, no friends of mine. <laughs> yeah. Part of the museum is designed to educate younger people into the idea of storytelling, into the idea of being able to paint your fantasies. <laughs> Uh, which is what Star Wars was. Star Wars was there to inspire young people to imagine things. 
to imagine going anywhere in the universe and doing anything you want to do and using your imagination to entertain yourself. So, Gabe, what was going on with episode eight this week? Good. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight. Nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't even know if they're making it anymore. <laughs> they're done. Yeah. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no episode eight news. Yeah. I don't think they think people are even want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> they're too afraid to say anything. Yeah, they're going to wait and see how Rogue One does. Right. What will you become? There's only, a, what, 18 more months to go. <laughs> That's it. It must be doomed. Yeah, the clock's ticking. They were to hurry up. <laughs> it will be a hard life. One without reward, without remorse, without regret. A path will be placed before you. The choice is yours alone. Do what you think you cannot do. It will be a hard life, but you will find out who you are. Are you ready for the Quagonathon? I'm ready for Quagonathon. All right. Are, do we have callers standing by? <laughs> we do. Or not callers, I guess people answering the phone. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Listeners, what do they call the people who answer the phone? <laughs> uh, operators. We operators, yeah. Yeah. We got uh, prune faces. Waiting to answer your calls. <laughs> Sindel from the Ewok movies. She's here. <laughs> Take your calls, your live calls. Yeah, she's going to be doing a tap dance uh, <laughs> on the hour. What, what, Gabe, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts on Qui-Gon? Oh, man. Well, what are my thoughts on Qui-Gon? He's Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I don't know. We talk about him a lot. I think he's uh, he's more important to the story than people realize or think about because he's kind of, in some respects, a one-off character in The Phantom Menace who kind of dies and is kind of not in the story anymore. But really, he's more important than that. I would agree 100%. He's another in the long line of beautiful hair Jedis. Yes, beautiful beard. But he is kind of like, especially even, I think, carrying into Force Awakens, like, was... He was kind of the ideal, the Jedi ideal almost that all the Jedi should have stro- strove for, striven for, strove for, wanted to be, and right. um, and kind of was there as contrast to what the Jedi Order and the Jedi Council had kind of become. Qui-Gon is a Jedi who was ahead of his time, but it's even interesting to think of that with Qui-Gon being ahead of his time because he is always so concentrated on the moment. Remember... Concentrate on the moment. Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the force be with you. Yeah. Well, also, I would say he's ahead of his time by being behind his time because he's kind of like potentially what the Jedi used to be. Yes. Which is, it's interesting because the first time we see Qui-Gon... He's telling Obi-Wan to concentrate on the moment. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. 
It's not about the mission, Master. It's something elsewhere. Elusive. Don't center on your anxieties, Obi-Wan. Keep your concentration here and now where it belongs. But Master Yoda said I should be mindful of the future. But not at the expense of the moment. Be mindful of the living force, young Padawan. Yes, Master. But right away, the first time you meet Qui-Gon and you're introduced to who he is, he's schooling Obi-Wan and he's saying, guess what? Maybe Yoda's wrong. Yeah, right right off the bat. Yeah. Like Yoda. Like, yeah, because at that point, going into Phantom Menace the first time, Yoda's the he's it. He knows what's up. It's right. all about Yoda. Right. And like every time in almost all the prequel films, when the Jedi are talking about especially about the balance of the force or just about anything, they're either talking about the fat the past or the or the future. Like no Jedi is ever really talking about, well, what's going on right now until it's too late. He is the chosen one. You must see it. Mm. Clouded, this boy's future is. Yeah. And even into the original trilogy, Obi-Wan and Yoda are kind of still a little bit looking to the future for Luke. Well, no, I guess Yoda kind of starts to figure it out. This one. A long time have I watched. All his life as he looked away to the future, to the horizon, never his mind on where he was, hmm? what he was doing. Hmm. Adventure. <laughs> Excitement. <laughs> Jedi craves not these things. We take, for example, the scene where Qui-Gon brings Anakin into the Jedi Temple. And Qui-Gon is saying he is the chosen one. You have to see it. And, like, all the Jedi sitting there are like, I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. And no one even even believes Qui-Gon. And, like, when Qui-Gon is talking about, like, you know, it's a vergence is centered around this boy. They're not even, it's like they're not even listening to Qui-Gon. Yeah, because it's like if they if they haven't foreseen it or thought of it or discussed it, why is it? How is it even a possibility at this point? Right. Because they're, yeah, they're so set in what they're doing. When you got to think, like Qui Gon is basically showing up and telling them, like, "Look, dudes, <laughs> this place is about to burst into flames. <laughs> like, if you don't like, if you guys don't take take care of your business, like, listen, the Sith are back." There's a virgence in the force around this kid. I think he's the one prophesied to bring the balance to the force. Like, I'm laying some heavy stuff down for you guys. And they're all just like, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's kind of like the things that people end up taking from the prequels and like, oh, I I didn't like how the Jedi were is kind of like, that's kind of the point. And that's what Qui-Gon was there to kind of show you that, you know, it was awesome to see the Jedi order and see all the Jedi, but really they kind of, they weren't in the right place and they were kind of, they were their own problem as far as the fall of the Republic. Absolutely. They created their own destruction. And then in the Clone Wars becoming overconfident and thinking themselves as great warriors. And <laughs> Great warrior. <laughs> Force not to make one great. 
I mean, yeah, it's interesting too. Like Qui Gon, he like how he says there's something special about this boy, and he has the midi chlorian count, and he knows something's up with him. Like the midi chlorian count's higher than Yoda, but then when he when he go when he takes Anakin before the Jedi Council, even Yoda just says, "Clouded, this boy's future is." Like Yoda's only looking at the future. Yeah, and yeah, pretty much through the whole prequels, yeah, Yoda's just focused on the future. Is it those last four episodes of Clone Wars that kind of start to change Yoda's mind a little bit? Do you think? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, that's he. Would Qui Gon just keeps telling him, and once he kind of realizes that Qui Gon is still his existence is still there, I think he's got to re reevaluate what Qui Gon had said to him when he was alive too and not just what the ghost Qui-Gon said show yourself can you I cannot my training was incomplete all energy from the living force from all things that have ever lived feeds into the cosmic force binding everything and communicating to us through the midichlorians because of this I can speak to you now Yoda goes to Dagobah and there, Qui-Gon's spirit basically tells Yoda that he has to go to um, the the place where the, the Force comes from, talk to the wills, learn the secret of eternal life, or that Qui-Gon will teach Yoda the secret of eternal life, right? Yeah. Um, because basically... Yoda, like, they know Luke is coming. And they know that Yoda has to be alive in some way to train Luke. Right. And that was actually, watching that again recently, um, I don't know why I didn't catch this the first time, but it was interesting how they kind of changed, they brought Qui-Gon back, but they kind of changed the message from the original Qui-Gon ghost voiceover from Revenge of the Sith, where he talks about, I mean, it, with the where compassion is the the path to eternal life, that it still is, but it also is the Jedi that can return from the dead is kind of what because they were chosen by the wills because they have a they have a purpose beyond their life. That yeah. it isn't just any Jedi can even learn how to do it. There's some of it you kind of have to be chosen to do it. There can be many outcomes, but your path is clear, Yoda. You have been chosen, as I was before you. For what chosen am I? You will learn to preserve your life force, and so manifest a consciousness which will allow you to commune with the living after death. How? Dark times are ahead, and forces of light must remain. This is the path of only a few Jedi. Yeah, like Qui-Gon says, you have been chosen as I was before you. Right. So why do you you think, this is something I was wondering, why did the Wills choose Qui-Gon and when did this happen? Well, they definitely chose Qui-Gon as he was kind of the last example of the future of the Jedi. Because I think that's the thing that's fascinating with Force Awakens even too, is like Luke seems to be constantly becoming more Qui-Gon. Like, he's not really becoming Obi-Wan. He's becoming Qui-Gon. Well, and you could even argue that Obi-Wan in A New Hope is more Qui-Gon. 
Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Yeah, both of the Obi Wan and Yoda are kind of becoming more like Qui Gon. Yeah, but so, but even then, you know, when we talked about in the Jedi one, like they still, well, they wanted Luke to kill Vader, right? Which Qui Gon wouldn't have told Luke what to do. He would have, you know, said, "Listen to the Force," which is what Luke ultimately did. Yeah, trust in the Force. Yeah, and then the Force told him not to fight, and he didn't, and that was the right solution. Because uh, I think that's that's the. The legacy of Qui-Gon is that being in the moment, following the Force. Always remember, your focus determines your reality. Stay close to me, and you'll be safe. Master, sir, I heard Yoda talking about midichlorians. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides within all living cells. They live inside me. Inside yourselves, yes. And we are symbionts with them. Symbionts? Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist, and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. I don't understand. With time and training, Annie, you will. So, so there's three times where it could be considered that Qui-Gon uses the Force in a non-Jedi, prequel Jedi kind of way. Number one, the chance cube, obviously. Number two, checking Anakin's blood for infections. Yeah. You know? You're not checking his blood for infections. That's just a straight-up lie. And even Shmi is standing there in the doorway like... Dude, what are you doing to my kid? Yeah, you're not going to drink that, are you? <laughs> and then three, he totally does a mind trick on Boss Nass just so he can get out of Odagunga. Yep. And all three yep. of those, that's using the Force to get what you want. Yeah, but to get what the Force wants, not what he wants. True. Is probably his rational rationalization. True. Um, and I think the, the Qui-Gon thing similar to that, too, is like, I always think this is one of the things that the prequel I think people don't think about, which I think is kind of is really interesting for being, you know, this goofy kids movie and as goofy and stupid as people think they are is like basically the message with the Jedi Order, too, is like if you use the uh, analogy with religion, it's like organized religion is corrupt and bad and you need to, you know, have faith in yourself kind of a thing. And that's kind of. The whole story is about, like, don't trust the organized, the institutionalized religion or institutionalized government because they, it can be corrupted and you kind of have to trust the force. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a very George Lucas kind of thing, really. Yeah. The dark side is pleasure, biological and temporary and easy to achieve. The light side is joy, everlasting and difficult to achieve. Great challenge. Must overcome laziness, give up quick pleasures, 
and overcome fear, which leads to hate. Amen. Now let us pray. (laughs) Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Something I was thinking about, how Qui-Gon believes nothing happens by accident. And I almost, that like, I almost wonder if his, I mean, if the Force priestesses, the wills, if they watch over all beings that are strong in the Force, and if they already at the time of the Clone Wars know about Luke and his coming importance, they probably knew full well that Qui-Gon's death was coming and kind of what Qui-Gon's death meant. And it was all part of the plan of the Force for Qui-Gon to kind of be sacrificed. Well, that's, I mean, I think I saw one, like just doing, you know, looking at Qui-Gon stuff before we did the show, like, there's a whole thing, people keep joking about how Qui-Gon's the worst Jedi, because he didn't do anything important, and he just ended up dying. No, 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 no! And then, you know, because he died, we got Darth Vader, but it's kind of like, that's the point, is he needed to die, so everything would happen, and so we would get Darth Vader, because that was the ultimate path to get rid of the emperor and a side note i don't think there's any such thing as a worse jedi no like somebody could talk about like some of the background dudes in attack of the clones <laughs> doing high kicks and stuff yeah. they're not the worst either. there's no such thing as the worst jedi no even jocasta knew like she knew where all the books were yeah coleman trebor he jumped up on that balcony that dude had no fear yeah he took one for the team. Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, you know what? Enough talking. I'm going to jump on that balcony and try and take down Dooku. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't know Jango was such a good shot. No. There's no such thing as a bad Jedi. No. They're all good. They're all good. I'm even saying Kaidi uh, Mundi's Sandperson Apprentice from the comic books. <laughs> he was good, yeah. too. Yeah, even he's a good Jedi. <laughs> Um, so I guess this is getting real deep. There's uh, Kierkegaard at a book, Fear and Trembling, and he has in this book an idea of a knight of faith. I'm sure George Lucas has read this book. And now this, this knight of faith Uh, limited to a select few who have transcended religion by making an authentic leap of faith, not to local ethics of politics. Kierkegaard calls this state of being as the absolute relationship with the absolute. So Qui-Gon saying to like Obi-Wan, when they have that conversation like on the balcony, Mm -hmm. where he's like, well, I shall do what I must. Like in Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan being like, listen, if you would just listen to the council, you could be on the council. Like, why do you keep defying them? And Qui-Gon's just like, listen, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm not going to listen to politics or or even the council. Like, I am a servant of the force. Like, Qui-Gon is a knight of faith. Yeah. Completely. It's not disrespect, Master. It's the truth, from your point of view. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? His fate is uncertain. He's not dangerous. 
The Council will decide Anakin's future. That should be enough for you. Now get on board. And like the Wills, they chose him to preserve his life force. Like he's talking about like Qui-Gon knows like the dark times are ahead and forces of light must remain. This is the path of only a few Jedi like. Well, it's almost like Qui-Gon's spirit is a time capsule and the Wills know the Jedi are going to disappear. Right. And it's like, who, who do they need to keep the the true nature of the Force and of the Jedi Order? What knowledge does it needs to to uh, survive? And it's like his is the that's he's the one person that is a true Jedi whose essence needs to stay on to pass on to the next generation. So then, Quagon teaches Yoda. Then, Yoda somehow. Post Revenge of the Sith teaches Obi Wan, mm-hmm. which we still we haven't seen that story. Then you would think also that post Return of the Jedi, if Luke has had contact with the Force spirits, well, they they say that you know since he's gone missing, the Luke's had there's been no contact with the Living Force, but probably during the Jedi like the failed Ben Solo Jedi Academy days, there probably was contact with the four spirits. Yeah, you would think so. Like, why wouldn't they be there to pass on the knowledge unless they've already passed on all their knowledge to Luke at some point between return of the Jedi and the new, uh, his new order, his new temple. So then Luke is getting though more like the Qui-Gon school of thought then probably. Yeah, and I still don't see why, ultimately, he wouldn't be speaking to Qui-Gon. He should. Um, you know, and the thing I was thinking, too, that where Qui-Gon says he didn't learn, you know, he's just a voice because he didn't learn how to maintain his uh, physical form, I still feel like they could justify him being a ghost because they kind of had the same progression with Obi-Wan. In A New Hope, Obi-Wan is just his voice. It's true. And he doesn't figure out, well, or unless we were saying it's because as Luke gets more powerful, he can actually see their physical form. But, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't have a body until Empire. I mean, and I always thought, though, that Qui-Gon, his learnings of being able to hold a physical form after death, being a ghost, basically, he wasn't done learning. Yeah. Qui-Gon didn't think he was going to die. He didn't know. Well, that's true. He didn't prepare himself. Yeah, where Obi-Wan and Yoda kind of like, they knew the way they were dying, they prepared for it. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Like, Obi-Wan probably knew if Darth Maul shows up on Tatooine with robot legs and kills Obi-Wan in his sleep, ha-ha, too late, I'm still around, I can still train Luke, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, that was a thing in Phantom Menace I always thought is... The, the cool scene where basically the, the force shield comes up and Obi-Wan just takes a minute to meditate, or I'm sorry, Qui-Gon takes a minute to meditate before yeah. they fight again. Yeah. I almost felt like that was him preparing to die. Oh, yeah. And that's where he at least was able to save his uh, consciousness, but because he didn't expect to actually die when he dies, he wasn't able to do the full. But I don't know. He was alive to tell Obi-Wan to train Anakin, so I don't know. Yeah, which that tripped me out with uh, the part in Force Awakens when Rey closes her eyes and for a hot second there kind of like meditates. 
Yeah, with the red light on her face. Yeah. Like Qui-Gon. You need a teacher! I can show you the ways of the Force! So, I think basically what we're coming down to is people saying that Qui-Gon is the worst Jedi ever. They're wrong. And and Qui-Gon is possibly the most important Jedi ever. Yeah, other than Anakin, yeah. And one of the most important characters in the Star Wars saga. Yeah. Well, which is really interesting to talk about after... Right, the original Phantom Menace drafts where Qui-Gon wasn't in it as much. Or yeah, and there was like he wasn't in it at all. Like Obi-Wan, it was just Obi-Wan. Like there was like all that production art from the Doug Chang production art from back in the day when it was just Obi-Wan. Yeah. And it feels like there really was there was this part of the story that wasn't there that Qui-Gon needed to fill because you can kind of imagine what the movie would have been if Qui-Gon was Obi-Wan. And I think the movie would have been pretty cool. But you kind of miss out on the whole angle of really showing in the prequels that Obi-Wan and, and uh, Yoda didn't know what was going on. And they were yeah. kind of on the wrong path. You wouldn't have gotten that, I think, without having the contrast of where those characters were versus where Qui-Gon is. Or if, if Obi-Wan was Obi-Wan in Phantom Menace, just on his own, kind of being slightly arrogant, naive, kind of how he is in Phantom Menace, it would have been without kind of this elder Jedi to kind of being putting him in place, I, it might have been kind of weird. Like, 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 you know, you're just watching this and you're like, why is Obi-Wan acting so cocky and weird, you know? Because even, again, in, like, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, when Obi-Wan, and even in Clone Wars, when Obi-Wan is still, he's got a lot of confidence, quite a bit of confidence. He's, uh, you would never say the, Obi, the prequel era Obi-Wan is humble. Hello there. General Kenobi. But you know... Kind of seeing that Obi-Wan, you're about to be very humbled, you know? Like, you're going to go sit by yourself for 20 years in the desert, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same with Yoda, like, even in the in the Clone Wars episodes where they're like, do you know what you're going to have to do? And he's like, no. And they're like, good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good you don't know. Right. You know, in Phantom Menace too, like he's the most compassionate. He cares about Anakin more than anyone else in the movie, right from the get go. And even Jar Jar, like he's the one that you know he might be annoying, but he's a person. He's a thing that deserves some res- some amount of respect. Yeah, and it was. I think it was on a recent Full of Sith where they made an interesting comparison. Where, um, yeah, it was Qui Gon that says, "No, we'll." Jar Jar might be of some use to us, and you can see that with Yoda, with Luke and Yoda. But then by the time you get to Jedi, and with the Ewoks, when Han wants to shoot any, you know, like, and Luke's the one like, no, Han, like, let's wait this out. These strange little teddy bears might be able to help us. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and that's where it's, I think, you know, that's the ultimate. It's almost like with 
Phantom Menace starting at the beginning, they gave us future Luke in a way. Right. Which does kind of fit the whole, you know, if you get into the ring theory and the, and the movies rhyming and all that stuff, it's like it starts with Qui-Gon and ends with Luke, who's now the new Qui-Gon, really. Yeah. Well, and He's you- the, you know, he follows the Force. He doesn't need a Jedi Council. He really doesn't even need a Jedi Academy. And maybe that's where the uh, sequel trilogy is going, is that by, you know, going back to the Jedi Council or the, the old way with a, an Academy and multiple students and all that, that led to trouble again. And you can, that compassion that Qui-Gon and Luke have, you can see that in Ray. Yep. Exactly. Like that natural compassion, which is yeah. the most like play the number one Jedi trait they should have. Yep. Yeah. And hers extends even to robots. <laughs> Where do you come from? Classified, really. Me too. Big secret. Don't follow me. Town is that way. In the morning, you go. You're welcome. Which Anakin and Luke did as well. Like that's, they cared about the droids. That's true. That's very true. Which Obi Wan did not. No. <laughs> Obi Wan never had time for droids. No. And oh. Yoda didn't even ever didn't even have a droid. I don't think ever because he had he had to borrow R two D two for the uh, the Will's episodes. Which is one thing I love with those Will's episodes. The R two is the sneakiest little dude in the world because all that time. When in Empire, when Artu's on Dagobah, he's already been there. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, you think about it, like, when they're flying to Dagobah, like, Artu knows where they're going. They're going to see Yoda, but he doesn't tell Luke. But then as soon as they get off the ship, Luke doesn't know what Artu is saying, which is interesting. Yeah. Like, R2 could be, like, straight up saying to Yoda, like, hey, dude, what's been going on, man? You know? <laughs> Don't tell him about me. <laughs> Dude, don't tell him about the time we were here before. Yeah. He's got secret. That's secrets. Um, so right before we started recording, I went on Twitter and I asked listeners to describe Qui-Gon in three ways, in, with three words, without using the word dead. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone just say Qui-Gon Jin? <laughs> no, they should have, though. <laughs> So, uh, what's it say? Matt Brown, he's at Twitter at MattBrown08, wrote, this is a really good one, Rogue Style Cop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Our, our friends over at the Generation X-Wing podcast wrote, Maverick Alternative Thinker. It's a good one. Thank you, Generation X-Wing. Our good friend Ian Porch Awakens on Twitter wrote Leader, Liar, Master. <laughs> uh, Brandon Harbeck, who also wrote in on our Jedi episode, thank you again, Brandon, wrote Maverick, Wise, Noble. It's very good. Yes. Uh, good friend, loyal listener Franklin Taylor wrote Trust Your Instincts. Very good. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, Rogue One Johnny, the Johnny Grasso from 
you know, you know, we all know Johnny Grasso and his podcast Rogue uh, Rogue One, the podcast for winners. He wrote this is a really good one. Listen to Yoda. Interesting. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. It's always good advice. Always, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen to Yoda. Except for when he tells you to kill Vader. <laughs> <laughs> that one you can ignore. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Uh, so we don't have any new iTunes reviews this week. Oh, man. Well, even if you can always write us a second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go back. Go back on iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star review. And if you write something and you have a five-star review, we'll read it on an upcoming show. Which then next week's episode... You're going to want to be a part of that with a five-star review because we're talking about all the uh, Star Wars Buena Vista records, records and books that came out in the 70s and early 80s. There were three of them. There was Planet of the Hoobjibs, uh, Droid World, and Mission to Ord Mantell. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. They said we couldn't do a whole show on Planet of the Hoobjibs. It. Yep, and we just beeped and turned the page. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so yeah, you can listen to Blast Points. Of course, we're on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud and Google Play and Stitcher and Overcast and Player FM. There's a Star Wars podcast app on Android stuff that you can listen to us on too. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, you should like the Blast Points Facebook page, right, Gabe? Yes, like it. Like the Blast Points Facebook like, page. Like the, yes, that's how Facebook works. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> you can talk to us. You can ask questions there. You can tell us stuff you want to hear us talk about. I don't know. And, we'll, and if you ask us questions on there about anything, we'll read it on the show. Why not? Yep. Yep. We like to read things. It's good practice. <laughs> <laughs> You can contact us on Twitter. It's at Blast underscore points. We're also on Instagram. We post funny pictures all the time. Uh, you can read. Uh, I write some Star Wars stuff over on DoomRocket.com. I do Clone Wars recaps every week. Yeah, if you have any secret dirt on BJ Hughes, yeah. let us know. Yeah, so last week I did the... The weird Clone Wars episode with the fake Jar Jar voice. The first one with the fake Jar Jar voice. And we discovered that, that was done by a guy named BJ Hughes, which there's, who's a complete man of mystery. And it's a complete mystery why Ahmed Best didn't come back for those episodes. So it's, it's on our list of mysteries. Yeah, we've got top men working on that right now. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, so uh, until next week, uh, on behalf of Blast Points, it's Jason. Escape. Uh, thanks for listening. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
now we can we can drink our Qui Gon gin and juice. <laughs> 